0: We're back with another episode of the Anarchist Experience, episode two fifty one, A.K.A. Year six, week one. Uh, that's right. We we I'm finally changing it up a little bit to be a little bit more uh, consistent uh, with with how many episodes are in each season. So we're now we're now the beginning. We we did our first show uh, five years ago, almost to the date. MC uh around january something or other of 2015 i guess so we've we're now we've completed five years of the anarchist experience and so i figured like three seasons of that that's enough not changing the format too much just making it easier for me to keep track of things year six week one uh coming at you as always i'm your host mr richie rich along with mc and since for five years, we've given out phone numbers that you haven't dialed all but a handful of times. Uh, nothing changes in year six. We give out numbers. You pussy out. 303-335-9527 or 303-835-1301. That's 303-335-9527 or 303-835-1301. Uh, what is going on with you this week one of year six, MC?
1: Um, let's start off with making fun of Peter Schiff.
0: Yes, let's, let's. So I had this, I had this article pulled up as, as my regular show prep when we got into the actual headlines of the show. Um, but it, it has exploded far beyond, uh, what a single article can contain at this point, uh, with, with Mr. Schiff and his, his, uh, undeniable hatred for Bitcoin and all cryptocurrencies. Uh, so here's the, here's the headline that I have. I'm not going to read the article like I would normally do for headlines because we can hit the high points. Uh, and again, there's so much, there's so much coverage of it that no single article, uh, yeah. can do, can do the story and, justice. And not
1: only that, but most of the articles get one aspect or, or multiple aspects of it wrong in the first place. Uh, so it seems like a lot of people don't know what they're talking about, uh, including Peter Schiff. So,
0: <laughs> and which also why I, I we talked a little bit pre-show because you know a lot more about this than I do, and I wanted to see how much of it, how much of it was actually Peter Schiff's fault, uh, and how much is it was just uh, counter hatred towards him from the crypto community because of his hatred towards right. crypto. So, so
1: the, the background is P- Peter Schiff uh, was. Uh, ha- had some donations given to him on his on his phone, and, and, and so in the form of a Bitcoin or Bitcoin Cash or whatever it was. Well, I'll just call it Bitcoin. Uh, that that's what he claimed. He lost all of his Bitcoin. All of it.
0: No longer has access to it.
1: And so, so what else? What other details did you want to give?
0: Okay, so w- without bearing the lead, yes, Peter Schiff has lost. Here's the quote: "I have just lost all the Bitcoin I have ever owned." Um, So like you said, he was, uh, I think it was Eric Voorhees or something at some conference where they had a debate, set up a wallet for him on his phone um, that he used to receive Bitcoin and that, you know, crypto lovers would say like, hey, Peter Schiff, we know you hate Bitcoin. So uh, here's some Bitcoin for you. So he had this like receiving wallet that, you know, he had access to on his phone. And his claim was that the wallet was corrupted And he couldn't log back in and that the application itself on his phone, the app on his phone, the wallet software on his phone forgot his password, uh, when he tried to log back into it. And that's where, that's where the, the, okay, boomer started, right? Like, oh, you're just an old guy. You don't like Bitcoin. You set yourself up for this, um, you know, Bitcoin wallets don't just lose the, lose the password. You know, people forget passwords. The app can't lose a password or a pass, or or the app can't forget a password. Uh, And so he got a lot of heat for this for like all week, you know, since, since last week, Sunday, he's been catching heat for this. Uh, And then uh, a few days ago, he came out and said, duh, you know what? I was just, I was confused. Um, I know I said that, you know, I had a simple numeric passcode that I use for many things. That there's no way I could ever forget this because of how ubiquitous I use this uh this passcode. Um and he said, Well, okay, you got you guys got me a little bit. Uh, I was putting in my PIN for the app. Right? Some of these apps you have a little pin that you put in uh to, to quickly access it. Um and I was putting in my pin in the password field and that's where I got confused. So it wasn't my password that the app forgot. It was the PIN, and I could no longer access it because I was trying to put the PIN in the password field. Fine. Uh, but then he went on and said, well, but I still don't have my password uh, because the 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 wallet app on his phone was set up for him by somebody else, you know, like Mr. Voorhees. Uh, and so he never had the password and because someone else set up the wallet app for him on his phone, uh, he never bothered to back it up or, or not note the seed phrases for the wallet recovery. And so all of a sudden, uh, the blame for him losing all of his Bitcoin is still the fault of cryptocurrency technology uh, because it's just too darn difficult to use. Um, and people are like, well, that's still kind of your fault, Peter, you know. Back up your seed phrases, know your, you know, know your passwords, you know, part and parcel with the game that we play here in the crypto sphere, especially the seed phrases, right? If you want, if you, you know, the, his Bitcoin still exists somewhere on the blockchain, right? And if you had the recovery phrase, the, the seed phrases for recovery, uh, you could recover it in any other Bitcoin app uh, or Bitcoin wallet application. Um, and then you would re- regain access to all your Bitcoin, um, but he did not do any of that, right? So it's still it's still like a, 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 you know, for lack of a better term, still an okay boomer moment from the community towards the the aging Peter Schiff uh, and his gold bug status because he just refuses to get with the times uh, and accept that Bitcoin could in fact be uh, money and used as money or a medium uh, of exchange or anything like that, which he claims it is not. Um, so, that, so there was this, all this back and forth all week. Um, and Peter Schiff still, you know, w- admitted to not knowing the password, m- but it never bothered to back it up. Um, admitted to being confused about uh, the 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 PIN and the password being, you know, one in, one and one in the same hand in hand. Um, but still maintains that although uh, he may not understand the wallet technology uh, as much as he would like, or as much as you know people would like him to to know it. Uh, that Bitcoin itself is still uh, going to approach zero and reach zero at some point in the future. Like he still stand, he still stands by the fact that he knows enough about cryptocurrencies in general, where he's he's not banking on it being money, so it's no big loss to him. He just lost all of his money prior to it reaching zero. I think I think that covers the story uh, throughout the week, MC. <laughs> And one of the questions that I asked, uh, of you and I'll ask it again on the air before the show was how often or how common I should say, um, is, is a wallet app, uh, on someone's mobile device. How often does that get corrupted? Because a lot of the heat that he took was like, this is not a thing wallets that's not what Bitcoin, that's not what Bitcoin apps do. They don't just magically forget passwords and crash. You know, it must be user error. Um, so yeah, so how how common is a, is a wallet crash on on a phone app, um, and if it is common, aside from the seed phrases, is there anything that the average user can do to uh, protect his coins?
1: Uh, well, it's very simple. Write down the the 12 words or 13 words as far as the uh, part of the backup process. Um, so you can back up your wallet with uh, basically a code right, um, so you can have a paper wallet. Um, also, you can make uh, you know digital copies of the the actual wallet. So all a wallet is is the private keys and whatever transaction data uh, the app det- it decides to uh, store. So uh, the wallet or the you know, the the Bitcoin wallet file uh, can be backed up uh, as many places as you want. And usually, there's uh, an- uh, it's encrypted, so there's a, a password associated with that and so if your wallet is on your your phone um then you're going to have a probably going to put a password on it just to secure it yep and uh oh my gosh there's some weird noise happening in the background It's totally annoying me
0: is it co- is it coming from my mic or is it just some no, external it's, factor it's on your end it's coming from my neighborhood oh okay all right so it's not a not a technical problem then
1: it's, it's either a kid crying uh or it's somebody using some type of uh, annoying saw.
0: (laughs) Getting those home improvements done.
1: Yeah. It's, Oh my gosh. It's so annoying. But anyway, I'm I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm not going to be able to concentrate on
0: what I'm saying anymore,
1: but, um, uh, hopefully it stops. Um, so anyway, where was I? I I was, I was explaining the the
0: best way to protect your wallet basically and And, where you can store the wallet data
1: and what a wallet is. Um, so yeah, it's just it's just a private key. So it's just uh, some information that allows you to spend your Bitcoin. So if you don't have the private key, uh, then you can you can you can see what's in the wallet, but you won't be able to spend it. So uh, having access to your private key is is really important with Bitcoin. And
0: That's might- another group of people that came out from the woodwork to yell at Peter Schiff. Right? Not your keys, not your coin. You okay. gotta learn, boy. Um, but I would like to bring it back to.
1: Uh, you know the simple explanations uh, just just so people are not not too confused about what the situation is um so you know it, it doesn't matter what your investment is you should know a little bit about it um now in this case he was do- you know it was a donation to him so uh, whether he owned it or not wasn't really important to him so when right. when he made the claim it wasn't really that big of a deal uh, however, if he had lost all the gold he had ever owned, uh, that would be a much bigger problem for him, and uh, it would show, you know, complete lack of, of care uh, of his own uh, assets. Right.
0: It would also require probably some malicious intent because if he's a, as much of a gold bug as he says he is, he's probably got a lot of that uh, gold in in physical assets. Right which means yeah, someone would that, have to physically go and and break into whatever security he has yeah, to protect his assets.
1: I I don't claim to know you know where he keeps his gold or or who he pays to hold on to right. it for him or you know all the details. There, I mean he's he's got a company that sells sells gold so right. uh, there there's vaults involved.
0: Right. And I'm just suggesting that. that it it takes a bad actor it would take a bad actor to lose all his gold whereas to lose all his bitcoin it it did not take a bad actor; it took lack of care on the individual's part.
1: And so, uh, you know, to to bring it to uh, make making an equal statement about it, uh, if you're thinking if, if if Peter Schiff was going to invest uh, a lot of time and money into some asset, he would he would learn how to store it, protect it, uh, make sure he has access to be able to spend it, whatever. Um, right so he the the equivalent of what he did was was basically if you're going to say all his bitcoin is equal to uh a state if it was going to be an equal statement to i i could have lost all my all my gold uh well one way you could lose all your gold is by you know putting it on a ship and and storing it on you know on a boat and you know the 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 boat is you know made of wood or something and and sleeky, and, yeah. and and you think oh that's that's an acceptable way to store your gold though then you'd be totally incompetent right
0: and and sailed off the coast of somalia where they have a pirate problem
1: sure <laughs> and, and then so similarly with with bitcoin if you just have it on your phone and only one phone and you're not not even careful enough to uh memorize the password or even care to figure out what the password was or uh or you know log in to check and make sure it works or you know be curious enough about how the asset is stored to you know realize that it's very simple uh to secure and to back up and uh, so the, it's actually you know if you compared bitcoin and gold uh bitcoin is actually easier to to store because well it's doesn't have any physical properties really. Right.
0: Um so and all you have to do is remember that seed phrase and you have it back instantaneously, roughly. I mean close cl- approaching yeah. instantaneously.
1: Sure. Or however long however long it takes to sync the wallet. Right. Um and you know, it's it's not perfect. It's not the easiest thing to to do, um but there are advantages uh, to to using Bitcoin uh, over gold. Um now there's still advantages to choose gold over Bitcoin, but so I would say that they're uh, very close competitors. Uh, I think they compare to each other more favor- favorably than they do uh, fiat money. So really, I mean, I can understand, you know, Peter Schiff's uh, position because he's he's a gold bug. And and so he wants everybody to uh, pick gold as, as the winner and, and store their, their value there.
0: Um, is that okay? So let me ask, let me throw this in there then. Is that part of the uh, the problem with Peter Schiff's age, right? I don't want to I don't want to no. say like age is always a factor. Well, because you don't you don't hear a lot from young gold bugs, right? And I think for for a lot of people, even in the crypto space, right, no one is saying don't use gold, right, or don't store gold, right. What I hear more frequently is diversify, right. Use some crypto for a regular basis, and if you can afford some, you know, physical gold, hedge that as a backup as well. Yeah. But Peter well, Schiff is so adamant that gold is the only thing.
1: I mean that that's just that's just his his position, and it's not wrong. Um, I mean, if you put it this way, what are what are the chances that gold goes to zero? Well, none. Uh, what are the chances that Bitcoin? goes to zero well some <laughs> you know. okay so, and and so in that regard uh he, he's right um however uh you know probably not in my lifetime that, that bitcoin is going to zero um and it, in the case that there is a problem with the the code or uh you know new computers that can uh, guess everybody's passphrase then we'll just switch to a different version of bitcoin that, that doesn't have those same vulnerabilities um so yeah, uh.
0: I think that's a good case for crypto in general, right? And I unfortunately I heard this I heard this as the use case um, for USI Tech from one of the you know uh, unfortunate people who were defrauded, I guess, by that company, which was no no no. If if Bitcoin ever starts to like not be that profitable, they're smart enough to just switch to a crypto that is and continue the gravy train going, right? So. And I know that that was an entirely different case. But when you say like, if if something better comes along than Bitcoin, we're all just switch, right? But we can't all switch instantaneously, well, right? You have to find someone willing to buy your coins.
1: More what what I'm talking about is more more like if if there's a vulnerability in Bitcoin, they'll upgrade Bitcoin and and you switch that. You, so it's, it'll it'll still be the same Bitcoin, just upgraded, and so you okay. still have the same amount of Bitcoin that you had before. Um, It'll just be, you'll have to, you know, you'll get a new seed and uh, it'll be stronger than the last one.
0: Sure. And that's, uh, and honestly, that's kind of where, when I'm talking to um, other crypto enthusiasts, I guess, people that aren't in favor of Bitcoin, you know, they, they like the altcoins, the altcoin lovers. Uh, because from, from, from my perspective, I am mostly a Bitcoin maximalist. Right? When, I, when I think about like my holdings at the present time, it seems to make sense to be a Bitcoin maximalist insofar as uh, because the code can change, even if another current uh, another crypto token or currency comes along that just blows Bitcoin out of the water in some feature set or another like oh my god this is the use case that we've all been waiting for right amongst the thousands and thousands of of altcoins that are uh, available already each with their own like unique ability and unique you know whatever they have um uh, that bitcoin you know the the bitcoin uh collaboration i don't know what he, what do you he call them the 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 holders of the the code um the bitcoin cartel i guess uh could could change the code right to add in those features right so there's 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 almost nothing that an alt currency can offer that Bitcoin couldn't implement if it was really that valuable. And the only thing holding that back is the, the Bitcoin cartel, I guess, going like, nope, uh, we we're we're, we're, we're satisfied with our position in the market. We're not going to be implementing that new feature or that new code or whatever. Uh, And then they, and then Bitcoin becomes the dinosaur in the crypto realm. That's unwilling to like change and alter to, to stay relevant, I guess yeah. is that fair?
1: Yeah, and but just to be fair, I you know I don't know if that'll happen. I I don't know if uh, Bitcoin will always be on top, or if some something else will necessarily take its place. Um, a lot of this is still in the realm of unknown. Um, but as as far as I think most Bitcoin holders are uh, concerned, with I think that, that they understand. If it if it's to be a, a a store of value then then everybody kinda picks one and that's so far that's kind kinda of what they've done. Now there's other crypto tokens that that have other use cases yes. but as far as uh storing money or storing value, um, one of the things they do is sell their, you know, their shit coins or their <laughs> altcoins or whatever you wanna call them. Uh you know, and I'll politely say altcoins for now. <laughs> sure, it, it, you know, when when the value of their altcoins go go up, what do they buy? Well, they buy Bitcoin? And then they might, you know, sell their Bitcoin for dollars or gold or whatever else they want, uh, you know, in the physical world. But um, you know, typically they don't hold it in in something else. So uh, I think I think it does work uh, as a store of value and. Is that, is that gonna change? Well, we don't know. Yeah, I'm 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 not I'm not afraid of change. Um you, you, you just gotta go with it sometimes.
0: Well, and part of it I think that again, I don't I'm I don't I don't wanna make a hard case for this, but I think that's where some of the criticism on Peter Schiff is is due, right? It's because he's just he's so stuck in his in his position as the gold bug, um and almost likely because of his, you know, his Uh, profession as a gold seller right or a a provider of metals metals dealer Uh, he almost can't say you know that bitcoin is good uh, and, and hope that that doesn't have some sort of impact on his business right on his profession on on his on on his moneymaker on his bread and butter right so he he it's it's an interesting spot where he could be you know he could come out and just you know say no yeah, Bitcoin's good. Like, you know, we we need another alternative. Here's another one. Like I don't really, you know, I may not be as heavily into it as you. I still prefer gold. Um but he doesn't but he's always negative towards Bitcoin and, you know, and this well, was no, another and attack.
1: I, and I do appreciate the 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 negative uh aspect uh, about uh, it. I I do believe, I I do appreciate somebody who's 100% uh uh Taking taking a 100 percent stance uh, one way or the other, and the reason is is because it it helps uh, get information out there about well you know just like when he says he he lost his uh, his, his pin or password or or his wallet was corrupted or whatever okay well now more people are going to you know learn learn about what a, wallet, a Bitcoin wallet is um, so and the, and the negative things like i said are actually like he's right about there there is a chance that bitcoin goes to zero um is that to me is that enough reason to not have any bitcoin well to me it's not you know to peter it is and, and I, so yeah i i appreciate the, the the negative thing he says uh for for one because it helps people uh get i guess closer to the the the, the truth about the information okay
0: um is is there a way to do that then that doesn't sound like uh negative i don't want to say just pure negativity I, is there a way to critique bitcoin and its flaws without coming off as just a a, a hardcore critic loving nothing but nothing but criticism towards the technology right like you know uh, i mean f-
1: I'm, I'm sure there is but like I said, I, I appreciate having him there for okay. you know everything that he says. I think it's I think it's necessary and I think it's a good thing. And you know whether you know if if Peter Schiff convinces you not to buy Bitcoin for the reasons that he states, great. You know do what you want to do, do what you gotta okay. do. Okay, uh, it doesn't hurt Bitcoin at all. You know Bitcoin is still there uh, doing what it's supposed to do, and you know. It, you know. So uh yeah, I, I think it's I think Peter Schiff is is better for the community than I think I think it's more of a good thing than a bad for sure. And
0: uh to have a critic.
1: Oh yeah. And and, and to have one that is comparing it to gold. Okay. And because I think that, that is the best comparison to, to Bitcoin, I think is gold. I think it compares way way more with you know, Bitcoin compares way more with gold than it does with uh, Fiat um, right and and that that's that's another problem so I think even someone asked Elon Musk musk if is if, if Bitcoin could be uh, a viable form of cash and at this point like I don't I don't think so and the reason why wow. I, I don't think so is is because uh, well because gold isn't uh, the reason why gold isn't is because you know the money as debt crowded out uh, gold as as money and so it'll do to me it'll do the same thing as bitcoin even though bitcoin is easier to trade than gold um, yes much so i think you know will you know if, if you try to say bitcoin is a what do, what do you call it destabilizing what, what's the other word for it
0: stable coin i don't know no, i don't
1: know no, uh what type of Volatile? technology? Like a destabling oh. technology. I, there's a different word for it. Okay. I, but anyway, I'm not thinking of it either. Uh, creative destruction. You know, make making okay. something better that, that, that uh, you know... Uh, I Are can't you, remember the word for
0: it. I, w- I wish I could help you. Yeah. But you're talking about in, in the currency sphere, like in, in person-to-person well, just,
1: trades? Just in any type of technology. Disruptive. Disruptive. That's the word I'm looking for. Yeah. <laughs> Disruptive technology. So... <laughs> I, you know, can, can Bitcoin disrupt fiat currency? Like, I don't see it, you know, <laughs> like that's okay. the, that was the wish and the hope and the dream. And then and that just that statement there saying it's not a disruptive, it's not going to disrupt uh, fiat. Um, that's a reason why a lot of people didn't get into Bitcoin. They say, well, it's not going to replace fiat, so I'm not going to buy any. Okay. To me that's a bad argument because, well, it competes with gold and gold is worth a whole hell of a lot. So Yeah. And uh,
0: gold gold doesn't disrupt (laughs) fiat currency either. Right. And that it it led into it.
1: Yeah, that's that's my point, is that fiat really disrupted gold, right? Okay. And and Bitcoin I don't think can disrupt fiat. Now, if it becomes popular worldwide and it becomes the de facto way of transferring value uh across borders Uh, a global currency right so that that would be really interesting so it could it could disrupt uh international banking more than it could you know day-to-day uh cash but okay uh so i think if if it does if it does uh disrupt international banking which which i don't think it will but uh you know let's say if it does then, then it will have a better chance of disrupting uh, fiat currencies around the world um, and then at some point you could even have a you know a country that that uh, uh, bases their uh, system system on cryptocurrencies
0: well um, was it China China's trying that right was yeah, it was a China but, but like,
1: still as as a way of just controlling their population though so they're they're gonna have complete control over their 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 Digital money, so it's it's their their system is going to be digital money, not crypto. So, well, it's a new
0: technology for the same goal of the state, right? But it's still (laughs) how do we control them with more
1: technology? It's still fiat digital currency. (laughs) Okay, Um, so it's not crypto. So, what makes a cryptocurrency? Cryptocurrency is is decentralization, and uh, I guess we'll we'll say limited uh, quantities, or at least known distribution.
0: So you would say Libra coin, the Facebook coin, that's kind of like puttered out it's, as it's far as it's a fiat, right? Because it, it's not decentralized at all. It's just Facebook's issue. Right. Okay. And so.
1: And I'm not against them creating a digital currency either. I mean, I think, I think any, you know, I'm not against anybody creating fiat currencies either. I think everybody should be able to print their own money. But, uh, you know, unfortunately, they'll they'll come and arrest you if you do. Even if you, you're not copying their notes, if you make your yeah. own notes.
0: You got to call it. We got to figure out another term for it because it's not. If it's not. If it's not uh, like government money, I would say it's still not fiat, right? It's like it's personal currency or well, personal money.
1: It uh, so because no it? one's forced to use it. It's L- not like ah, oh, Li- this is
0: money by decree.
1: Libra is just a, a private digital currency. Yeah, but it's not. It's not a cryptocurrency because it's not decentralized. Right. And, yeah.
0: So private. Uh, a private digital currency closer associated to fiat but still i don't want to i don't i I think we yeah i get people in the liberty movement like we we have a a very harsh association with with fiat currency and i don't want to say like private issue anything privately issued uh falls into the fiat category because no one's forced to take it Mm -hmm. but yeah private private issued currency uh in in the case of libra digital form in the case of china uh it would actually be fiat if they're forcing their citizens to use it and take it and do whatever Oh, government created. So yes, and um, I think that's the that's the crux of what what when I use the term fiat, how I how I think of it in my head. Yeah. Government created, government mandated currency. All right. Um, so anyway, yeah. I mean, so uh, I don't know if there is anything more to say about the the Peter Schiff thing, other than just to, just to recap a little bit. The the lesson to be learned from this fiasco is. And your, uh, and forgive me. I'm just kind of repeat what you said a little bit. It was well, I, I to protect keep your coins.
1: Really... <laughs> yeah.
0: Learn, just... learn about the technology you use to protect learn, yourself.
1: Protect your own wealth, however you seem, you deem fit. Um, you know, don't put your gold on a on a wooden boat uh, off the coast of Somalia, and <laughs> and don't leave your your Bitcoin on on one phone that could that could uh get corrupted. Um, okay, so let me backups. stop you there.
0: Let me, let me stop you right there because I think that's the f- the other the other direction that I wanted to and take not, this conversation. Not even
1: corrupted. You could lose your phone, you know, <laughs> and if your phone, Okay. You know. So.
0: But if but when you say like don't keep it on one phone, like if you so are you suggesting uh, multiple wallets then? No, I'm suggesting
1: just- h- however you come up with and there's so there's multiple ways to back up Bitcoin. And right you, should, you know you should do your own research and figure out the best way it is for you to do it you know i've got my way but it might not be the best for okay. somebody else you know some people put theirs en- engraved on 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 metal uh so in case their house burns down you know the the, the metal will still have the 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 private keys on it so you can regenerate right. the wallet
0: <laughs> i'm i'm just thinking for for a use case right like and again i'm i'm yeah. going to come from a place of ignorance here if i'm like transacting business in cryptocurrency on my computer right I might have a wallet like specific for Windows uh, I don't have the same I don't have access to the same wallet uh, on my phone right my phone I've got whatever wallet app with whatever thing but so I would have to like transfer from wallet to wallet or which has always bothered me by the way um, or are you saying that you know you can you can have ac- you can have one wallet address across multiple devices
1: yeah you can do that
0: okay yeah, how I've
1: got, I've got uh, one wallet. Example, Uh, so you know the private keys for my wallet, I've got on blockchain.com. I've also got that on a Mycelium app on my phone. I've also got a paper backup of that, and I've also, you know, I've also got the same wallet on my Windows computer, Um, and I can spend, you know, from that wallet, you know, on any of my devices or you know however I want to do it, and it'll, you know, show up on the blockchain just like any other transaction.
0: Okay. Because I always thought that that was like that was either frowned upon or prohibited um, because of the potential double spend issue. Like, what what if you what if you started to what if you started a transaction from your phone and from your computer at the same time, right? Well, like, you
1: could try, but only one of them would be accepted. And the okay. way that it's chosen which one is accepted is by which one has the higher fee. And so when when you broadcast it out, uh, the Computers on the on the network will pick up the the transaction. So basically, whichever one's first or whichever one has the the higher fee gets accept, uh, accepted, and the other one just gets rejected. Okay. That is if if you don't have enough money in your wallet. Uh, if, if if you have enough, uh, then you know two transactions could maybe go through at the same time.
0: Okay. So the uh, the other question then, because um, uh, again, this is just related to the app itself and part of Peter Schiff's claim. Like what has, what has been your experience with uh, an app corrupting your wallet right has it has it happened to you yeah. has it happened to you frequently where you have to restore a wallet on a specific device because of something similar to what happened to Peter Schiff?
1: I, I've never had a, a Bitcoin wallet uh, get corrupted but any data in any computer can get corrupted and, okay and so therefore it, it could you could run the, into the problem where your password doesn't open your wallet. Um, but that's why you have backups or duplicates or you know however. And the seed there,
0: phrases and so on. Yeah. Okay.
1: And so, you know, and and depending on how 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 much you value your wallet, like some some of my wallets, uh, I use you know just for spending, right? And right. So uh, there's very little on the wallet. I'm not worried if it gets lost or stolen or 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 uh, corrupted or whatever. And so it, it so. For for those wallets, um, you know, I I don't put as much care into them, kind of like Peter Schiff. And if something happened, I wouldn't, you know, complain that, oh, Bitcoin is flawed because uh, that's, you know.
0: (laughs) Well, and I'm sure you also.
1: If you want to use it as a bank, you should put some care into designing your bank, you know. (laughs) Yeah.
0: And I would assume that even though you don't put a lot of care into it, you still have the backups and the seed phrases for those, Like should you
1: want. Some of my wallets, because there's so many different. Wallets that I experiment with, some of them I don't have uh, any of the backup information at all. And so if so, if it gets corrupted or, or the phone gets lost or whatever, it's just gone. And okay. but like I said, I only keep a little bit. You know, it's just
0: basically yeah. spending ones. Okay. Sure. All right. Fair enough. Uh, I think that kind of answers the the follow up questions that I had because that was you know that was he uh, he uh, Peter Schiff kind of implicated Bitcoin and all of cryptocurrency. With what is probably more uh, considered to be a technology flaw in in computers and hard drives and hardware, then yeah. right like you put your data you pu- you put your data on an electronic device. No matter what device that is, or no matter how good the the blockchain and the technology is, yeah. if the device is risky, right then then the everything that's on there is risky. Right? It right. could be anything from a word document uh, to your Bitcoin wallet, you know, to your your. You know, seven years of tax forms that you've been saving up could just become corrupted. Bas- <laughs> whatever, you know, yeah. you know what I'm saying.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So depending on how much it's worth, will you know de- yeah. depend on you know how how serious you take it. Now, there's been people that have lost millions of dollars, but the problem is most of those people, you know, maybe spent a hundred dollars or a thousand dollars on it and then left it there for seven years, and then they try, then they try to say oh, well, I lost the password from my wallet or it got corrupted or I lost the hard drive or whatever. Uh, so did, what did they lose? Did they lose millions of dollars by the time Bitcoin shot up or did they lose the $100 that they originally spent on it?
0: Sure. I, and no? some, <laughs> might, some maybe even less than that because the other tech show that I listened to, um, they use the example of, of, of Steve Gibson, right, who is like a pretty prominent name in the technology and security field. And apparently during the early days of Bitcoin, he set up a computer, turned on a miner, mined 50 Bitcoin, and then threw it in the closet, right? Like yeah. used the computer for something else, never bothered to back it up, couldn't, re- you know, lost the, lost the hard drive, formatted over, it did something, but he's out like right. 50 Bitcoin, which you go, oh my God, that's a lot of money in today's terms, right? But it was it was like a flick of the switch for him in the early days just to, just to check out this whole Bitcoin thing. So, but he lost fifty Bitcoin of value, whatever that is, um, because you, you know, much, much like, much like your little spending money wallet, at the time, fifty Bitcoin was like maybe a buck fifty or a couple of dollars, and it wasn't that big of a deal. Yeah. All so of a sudden. Far,
1: so far, I haven't lost any any Bitcoin. Uh, uh, I'm careful enough, I guess.
0: <laughs> right. Uh, but again, going back to, going back to Peter Schiff, in his case, right, he always uh, he. He was basically, he admitted to saying, you know, like he lost it earlier than he expected to because he always expected Bitcoin to go to zero. Um, And so he was willing to like hodl and ride the wave all the way down to zero. Uh, And all that really happened was the wallet beat him to it. Right. So he, in in his own mind, he really had no value on Bitcoin at all, regardless of the price, regardless of how many was in his wallet, it was always zero to him. So it was basically losing nothing, uh, in which yeah. case his whole fiasco, his whole drama that went yeah. on this week That's was basically I, just an attack.
1: like I, I appreciate Peter Schiff's negativity, but I don't appreciate the 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 way he did this uh, uh, the, the claim that he lost all of it he ever owned' It's, it's a little bit uh disingenuous.
0: Well, the way he did it, maybe, but it's still technically true, right? He he no longer has access to all the Bitcoin he's ever had. So it's a wordplay, I guess. If you you know, or let me do this. Like, how do how you figure then? Like, what is what is disingenuous about it to you in the way he approached the situation?
1: Be- because yeah. he he did it on, as an attack on Bitcoin with without first even ex- explaining uh, uh-huh. that he doesn't care how the technology works right right so that that's uh it's not it's not a fair attack on bitcoin um and yeah so and and, and he should know better because he's been in debates you know about the technology like if you yeah. if you're willing to say i know something is going to go to zero because it's not gold that that's you know one argument but then to not even understand the technology enough to to you know <laughs> to secure a small amount of bitcoin uh right, yeah, so you're kind of you know uh it's it's a little bit harder to listen you know to to take his uh his criticisms if if he's not even willing to understand the technology, you know okay, like it's like well, what does he really know? well, all he knows is gold, right, so if he doesn't know about Bitcoin, then why would you? Uh, consider his attack on Bitcoin uh, relevant um, so like I said I still appreciate uh, you know his main criticism which is could it go to zero yes could not likely but uh, I still appreciate the uh, the the you know the counter viewpoint
0: okay fair enough all right moving on sure all right real headlines headlines uh, headlines State forces citizens to pay for stargazing permit to view night sky in public parks. Yes, really. Uh, Headline, Secession is the answer to building a free society. Uh, Headline, White market agorism. Uh, Headline, Kentucky lawmaker wants to give police the power to detain people who don't answer their questions. Uh, Headline, All government is evil. And finally, Headline, New bill, to allow cops to detain citizens, force them to explain who they are and what they're doing. Now, any place in particular you want to start this week? MC. Uh,
1: no, anywhere is good.
0: All right. We're going to do white market agorism then, because number one, this is a, a rare source. And I, I always bring this up. Anytime I pull an article from C4SS, the center for a stateless society, uh, because as they describe themselves, a left market anarchist think tank and media center, uh, and a lot of times they, they skew way too far to the left, uh, for me. And they usually attack uh, capitalism, um, even though again, if you if we sat down with the most of them, um, we would probably all agree on some sort of mutualism, from their part. And to me, like the terms are interchangeable. To them, they're not. Uh, so I don't I don't always I don't I, I don't always use their material just for that reason uh but i i did read this one mostly all the way through and i skimmed the i skimmed it all and it seems to be an interesting take uh on agorism um which we do advocate for here on the anarchist experience as as one of the other ways the one of the economic means uh to counter the state um and and build a parallel society so let's go could,
1: could you state that one one more time about the the difference between uh what ism or something? <laughs> I Which one? Mutualism. Guess. You said that we don't uh, see see things the same way, or
0: so. The Center for a Stateless Are- Society is a is, is their their words a left market anarchist think tank and media center. They always consider themselves to be mutualists, um, in 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 that space. And when they define mutualism, to me, it sounds a lot like. What we would define as pure capitalism, or narco-capitalism, right? They want uh, private ownership of the means of production, but collective private ownership, which is fine, right? And, and they don't like the, the, uh, they don't like the exploitation of the capitalist class on the working class, like the, the bourgeoisie and the proletariat. Um, so they, they, they seem to, they seem to curry favor. Uh, with uh, anarcho-communists and anarcho-socialists. Uh, they You know, mutualism is a term that gets thrown out, like I said, but they would also use the term anarcho-syndicalists because they want small collectives uh, running things instead of one uh, capitalist owner, uh, you know, the the boss, you know, the fat cat, the big wig, uh, you know, owning all the means of production and exploiting the worker class. Does that, that kind of answer...
1: Yeah, sort of. Um, okay, I'm, it's it's like one of those things. It's like, it, it, they they should be able to define what what they want simply.
0: They um, do, uh, and it's anarcho-syndicalism and mutualism, which is collective ownership of the means of production, but privately, like no no, no state sense. involved.
1: <laughs> <laughs> if you say I it mean, makes sense, it makes sense. But yeah, okay, okay, okay,
0: in so insofa- <laughs> like okay, so. To to, to to try and simplify that for you, uh, MC, like uh, me and M, we bought a car, right? We both signed for the car. We both own the car, right? There's collective ownership. It's our car, right? If a third person had to co-sign, there'd be three owners of the car. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to like the big factory, you know, the, the car producing factory, uh, it's not one guy named Henry Ford that owns the entire factory, it's the thousands of workers collectively owning that means of production
1: well what if what if there's a worker that wants to sell his ownership of the factory
0: then they then they either buy him out or he sells it to another person that then becomes the worker i but again he, he, I,
1: so he can't be he can't be a worker and not own a factory he no, he sell. could
0: i mean you, you probably could but but the but the ownership is collective by all. So he could, he could buy in or he could be a worker, uh, but there's no, but when, they, when, they, when, you, when you hear them talk about capitalism, because when we go like, yeah, yeah, one owner's fine, owner, worker, employee, whatever, mm-hmm. right? Uh, a, an employer can have an employee, however many that they can afford, whatever, right? They go, the only way that that system is sustainable is uh, through force of the state, Right, so they so they always
1: <laughs> or or voluntarily. I mean, I don't understand why.
0: Right, and they they say not voluntarily. That's where that's where we would <laughs> that's what they would disagree with us. Right. Not voluntarily, must have a state, um, and uh, you know, a- absent the state, they believe that it would be more worker owned collectives, worker owned cooperatives, which is also fine with me. Right, as as long as it's voluntary. But- there I don't care, be,
1: but there, but there might not be. I think, I think that's a little bit of an assumption <laughs> on their part or on mine. Yeah, on their part.
0: No, totally is, totally is. But the the, the premise that it's possible and and uh, the premise that it's possible, I agree with. The premise that it's uh, it's, it's probable, it's, it's, to me I'm it's okay the same, with.
1: Same thing as is all all the collectives. Like your your collective, if you think that's the way it should work, you can do that under you know pure capitalism. So right. just just do it and you know don't but they don't like the word
0: but they don't like the word capitalism that's really the only thing
1: well because i i think the truth is because other things work better so okay uh, and it's the same thing with you know with the with the communism like if if worker collectives worked then there would be more of them but uh, other things happen to work better and they're either more efficient or better run uh, or uh, you know may Maybe the, maybe the state is, you know, enforcing their monopoly or whatever, but that's maybe,
0: but I don't, I don't, I don't get too defensive about the capitalist position when, when talking to syndicalists or mutualists, because in general, I think there's a a possible coexistence, right? And I don't, and, and as long as there's a coexistence, they're not going to fight us. Sure. Right. Well, if, I mean, if you own a factory, they're not going to like. They're not going to seize the means of production, yeah. right? They're going to try to outcompete you with their with their collective yeah. factory.
1: And but but also, I mean, we're also we we could coexist with with communists also as long as you know they stay out of my property. You know? Right.
0: But I don't I don't think the mutualists and the syndicalists are are pushing for something like the communists, where what you own is also theirs. Right. Like you own your factory and they as a collective own their factory Mm -hmm. and narrow the two shall meet. So it's, so I, again, I don't, I don't have as big a problem with them as I do some of the other hyphens like the communists or the Mm -hmm. socialists. Um, They would say that I'm a confused mutualist. um, And I would say that they are a confused capitalist only Mm -hmm. because we have a, we have a problem coming to terms with definitions. And if, and if they would accept our definition of capitalism, they would be anarcho-capitalists. And if we would reject our definition of capitalism, we would be mutualists. Like the, the fundamentals are so goddamn close, right, that it really comes down to, to terminology. Mm-hmm. And they're not willing to, to give up uh, their definition of capitalism. And I'm not willing to give up mine, uh, which is why there's, you know, there's still a schism there, in my opinion. All right. But see, but they favor agorism. Uh, and this article is, you know, well, it'll get into it, but white market agorism as opposed to, uh, you know, the the black market underground sales or the gray market area of things. And it might, it, it might, yeah, they, they, they might throw out some, some ideas in here that might give you some more clarification on how they operate above and beyond my uh, brief explanation here as well. But we'll see. Within any political movement set on radically changing society, there always comes a debate debate on how best to achieve those goals. Should we unionize towards a general strike? Should we withdraw from the prevailing system of living on scavenged, stolen, and scammed resources in the fashion of a classic crime-think-ink propaganda? Should we build cooperatives and collectives in the spirit of venture communism, should we go the route of propaganda of the deed and start blowing up government buildings and assassinating politicians? How about some combination of the above? Well, agorism seems to be just such a combination, combining elements of illegalism, dual power theory, economic secession, syndicalism, and freed market anti-capitalism, that's their terms, but without many of the extremes of propaganda of the deed. Agorism proposes a strategy of utilizing counter-economics as a way of achieving an anarchist society. But what is counter-economics? Uh, Samuel Edward Konkin III, the founder of agorism, defines counter-economics in his work Counter-economics, What Is It? How It Works? Uh, go figure. Quote, The counter-economy is the sum of all non-aggressive human action which is forbidden by the state. Counter-economics is the study of the counter-economy and its practices. The counter-economy includes the free market, the black market, the quote-unquote underground economy, all acts of civil and social disobedience, all acts of forbidden association, sexual, racial, cross-religious, and anything else the state, at any place or time, chooses to prohibit, control, regulate, tax, or tariff. The counter-economy excludes all state-approved action, the white market, and the red market, which is violence of theft not approved by the state. This is the basic definition agorists have worked with ever since, and thus agorism has always been tied to the black and gray markets to the exclusion of the white, red, and pink. Uh, And pink is violence and theft approved by the state. Or has it? Because in the reality of things, it seems that white market agorism is a lot more common and less contradictory than one might think. Uh, To quote Konkin once more, As more people reject the state's mystifications, nationalism, pseudo-economics, false threats, and betrayed political promises, the counter-economy grows both vertically and horizontally. Horizontally, it involves more and more people who turn more and more of their activities towards the counter-economic. Vertically, it means new structures, businesses, and services grow specifically to serve the counter-economy. Safe communication links, arbitrators, insurance for specifically illegal activities, easily early forms of protection technology, and even guards and protectors. Derek Brose defines the concept of horizontal and vertical agorism in more detail in his essay, aptly titled Vertical and Horizontal Agorism. In that essay, he explains that horizontal agorism is related to the bold choice to pursue action that the state considers to be illegal or immoral. By venturing into this territory, you are joining the ranks of the bootlegger, the moonshiner, the cannabis dealer, the guerrilla gardler, the unlicensed lawn mower, food vendor or barber, the weapons dealer, and the crypto-anarchist. This is essentially agorism as Conkin defined it, but since then it has become so much more. It is in the vertical agorism that we discover a departure from the traditional agorist rejection of the white market. Vertical agorism is heavily inspired by the work of Carl Hess, such as his experiments in sustainability on the neighborhood level and his books summarizing those experiences, community technology and neighborhood power. As such, the focus is on sustainability and community self-reliance and is not restricted to only the black and gray markets. Later in his essay, Bros goes on to explain that vertical agorism would include participating in and creating community exchange networks, urban farming, Backyard gardening, farmers' markets, supporting alternatives to the police, and supporting peer-to-peer decentralized technologies. While these vertical steps could potentially involve the use of the state's currency, and therefore not completely counter-economic, they are still significant for challenging. They are, st- they are still significant for challenging the dependency on the state and corporate classes. Now, I venture to dis- disagree with the bros that these actions are not counter-economic merely because they do not utilize the black and gray markets, as he states earlier in his essay. Of course, he clarifies that not even if non not counter-economic, vertical actions are extremely valuable and necessary. But if these tactics directly challenge state and corporate power, then, then how are they not counter-economic? So what is white market agorism, then? Well, it includes many of the things bros already listed when describing vertical agorism, community exchange networks, urban farming, backyard gardening, farmers markets, alternatives to the police, and peer-to-peer decentralized technology. But it is so much more than that. Cryptocurrency is largely a white market venture, and yet it is championed as a prime example of agorism. The industrial workers of the world is lauded by Konkin himself as a perfect example of an agorist labor union and that yet they are legally registered with the state and more often than not organized within the law. Decentralized social network sites such as Mines and Steemit, decentralized renewable energy sources, biohacking, permaculture, hackers, makerspaces, community sharing programs, alternative models of exchange including gift economies, local exchange trading systems, mutual banking, labor notes, and precious metals, alternatives and complementary medicines, unschooling and homeschooling, tour, free stores, alternative media, and worker-owned businesses are all examples of white market agorism. And yes, some forms of white market agorism can overlap with gray market agorism and can help to facilitate black market agorism, After all, the counter-economy must work together to overthrow the state and corporate control. In fact, we should push many of these white market ventures towards gray and black market actions where appropriate, such as promoting those ventures to go unpermitted or to not report all income made to the state. But we shouldn't exclude these actions as counter-economic when they fail to do so. Counter-economics is about running counter to the power structure at hand. So in an economic system of bosses and wage slavery... Worker-run businesses and grassroots democratic labor unions are counter-economic. In a food system largely monopolized by a handful of corporations who utilize harmful practices associated with factory farming and industrial agriculture, growing your own food or buying local from farmers is counter-economic. In a media landscape largely dominated by a handful of news corporations, independent media is counter-economic. In a technological landscape dominated by only a few businesses, free and open source technology is counter-economic. Just because it isn't gray or black market doesn't mean it isn't counter-economic, and it damn sure doesn't mean it's not agorist. It's about time we openly embrace and discuss the potential that white market agorism has to aid our cause. Uh, End of the article. Um, so, your thoughts, MC? Did did it give you a better understanding of kind of the the perspective um, that the the left market anarchist think tank comes from? Um, any more concerns on that, or or what do you think of their definition of the white market agorist economy?
1: Uh, well, I was focused on the white market agorism uh, aspect of it, um, and it's it's wonderful, but I just I don't I don't really care that much about. Segregating markets into colors, and then okay. Saying what is, you know, which ones are counter-economic or not. Um, like counter-economics is is really the I think is really the goal uh, of of agorism, right? So, and doesn't matter which uh, segment it's it's in. Um, you know, it's all helpful. So sure. I mean, okay, if I you just
0: take like the food example, right, if, you know, right. to like uh, having your own farm, not illegal, right? So it's not going to be in the black market or in the gray market. Uh, selling your farm goods, right, to to your neighbor, right, might be illegal if you don't have the permit, right? And then so if you have the permit, well, then it's, it's back in the white market. But if you do it and don't report all your income or you don't charge your neighbor what you write on the paper – you know when you are you charge you know you, you don't file as much of the income away well then that becomes counter economic regardless uh of of how you're distinguishing the colors does that make sense
1: yeah yeah like it's, i don't
0: i don't i don't personally have a problem with the the color scheme layout cuz it's it's a when you when you look at it it's a good graphical representation of you know things that are uh moral and legal like i guess that's the the crosshairs there sure yeah
1: I think I think it was I mean it's it's obviously directed at at Agris to help them understand uh, right their action better. I you know it doesn't doesn't help uh, me out that much but uh you know it's I don't know I don't know how useful
0: it is. <laughs> well because like, because I, if you I, have I look if at you things
1: have... So, so much simpler it's like yeah. uh, do do what you want do what you want if the man gets in the way uh then that's you know, it's a problem and you should try to find a way around it or, or if you have to deal with the man, then you, then you just got to do what you got to do. But <laughs> Well, okay. So again,
0: just for a, a local example here in the community, I think it's once a month um, we have like a market day, right? Where, where um, vent uh, people participating in the free state project or friends of the free state project or whatever, liberty oriented individuals uh, go to market day to sell their wares. Right, and so you could consider that to be counter-economic or agorist activities. Mm-hmm. Um, but the guy selling, you know, uh, a plate of food or or some bacon, right, next to the guy selling drugs, right, or, or is com- on completely different ends of the legal spectrum, right? Sure. Like the, the drug dealer bad, the the guy selling bacon good, right? Um, <laughs> well, whatever, you know what I mean. For, in my example, allow it for but, my so, example.
1: But but what what I think, you know, the, the ty- these types of articles do is is to try to convince people that you know you know kind of uh, just just put labels on it. Uh, sure. And well, to, so, I it's think it's to like bridge you, a divide though. You, you you could you could tell the guy that's selling bacon, oh, you're an agorist because you know you're you're selling bacon without paying taxes on it. Like, oh, right. okay, so what? I'm you know, he's, to him he's still just a guy selling bacon. <laughs> you know? Sure. But and,
0: the but the drug dealer may not look at that person as an agorist. Right. That's that's part of it. Because yeah, he's not that, doing it on the black market. He's not doing it. He's not operating on an illegal protection service with the sole purpose of tearing down the state. Right? He's like, nah, I I sell yeah, my bacon so that, to whomever that, buys it.
1: Of, that's kind of my point. This article is is written to people to say, hey, the, you know, these guys are your friends too, but I, I mean, yeah. it's kind of obvious. I mean, oh, see, <laughs> <you know? laughs>
0: that's where I, that's why I might disagree with you. I don't, I don't think, I don't think it's as obvious, which is why I brought up the article. Right. Yeah. Cause there, if they go like, well, if you, if you're, you know, if you're running your own business, right. If you have a small business here, right. And you go, well, it's just a small business. Right, well, you're not really an agorist, right. Cause you, you've got your license from the state, you, you know, you file your taxes you're not doing agorist activities.
1: So, uh, so to take it a completely opposite direction, there's there's people that that run businesses, restaurants, uh, you know, services, uh, whatever, and and they, and they they cheat on their on on their taxes, uh, and so they're you know they're they're trying to give less money to the to the state, but then they still stay. They still say, well, well, we need the state, or else you know everything would uh, would collapse. So, it's like. Those are the people that I want to get to. The ones that like they're 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 uh, not being consistent with their with their actions. Like right, like if, if, if paying the state is good, then pay them more. You know, right? Like, <laughs> no, I got you.
0: So, but what I think where the article would get at with with the, with your point there is uh, allow them in, right? Don't shut them out oh, sure. because they're gotcha. running a legitimate business. Bring them in and show them. You know, consider them white market agorists. Yeah. Because it, they it, are doing some things on the down low, yeah, and then show to, them try how
1: to, try to get them to to go all the way with it, right?
0: Know? I I think it's I think uh, the the article is calling for more inclusionary aspects of it than it is what was previously exclusionary, right? Mm-hmm. Oh no, he work you know he he's got the state license, he pays his taxes to the state, you know. Fuck him if the restaurant burns down, right? Mm-hmm. Like oh, no, no, he, he's a business owner, right? That's why I don't get mad when you know when when. When business owners like you know make the decision to do things in favor of the state for fear of losing their business, right? I go, well, you're not here. This is not a project for you, right? This is not an extracurricular activity. This is this is your money maker. This is how you do business. And if you have to pay your tribute, you know, to the man for him not to shut you down, I'm not going to get on your case about that, right? Mm -hmm. However, if I can convince you to to show him less of the books. To keep more for yourself, and to put more into liberty-friendly activities, or you know, to or to you know, give more to the the liberty-friendly community, right? And then we can talk about it and work something out. Sure. All right. Final thoughts? Nope. All right. That'll do it for us. Then you guys know where to find us: anarchistexperience.com, minds.com/slash/the-anarchist-experience. And if you'd like to contribute to the show financially, uh, because this is an agorist endeavor uh, whatever that means. Uh, you can do so through Patreon, patreon.com slash the anarchist experience. Thank you very much for listening. and we will talk to y'all next week. Peace.